0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast. This is episode number 10 with Ariel Tan. Uh, So she's a collaborator uh, for the blog. Uh, wrote a couple uh, blog posts before will we'll include in the show notes. And she was also a guest on the Student Affairs Collective podcast in the recent past after uh, I had left. But uh, we'll include that episode in the show notes as well. But I um, really enjoyed this chat. Uh, she brings a unique perspective uh, to the show here uh, with her love of anime and having uh, grown a bit China. Uh, So definitely some cool stuff to check out in the show notes, but I just really appreciate Ariel's time. And without further ado, uh, after this brief message from our sponsor, this is episode number 10 with Ariel Tan. It's an honor to have our good friends at SwiftKick be a sponsor of the podcast because I've seen their work firsthand and it's truly unlike any student leadership training I've experienced. They've been voted best student leadership program unprecedented five times, so you know they must be doing something right. As a bonus for our listeners, SwiftKick is giving a $500 discount off their normal speaking fee if you mention High Red Geek when you contact them. I highly recommend their trainings for your campus, as your students will be talking about it for months afterwards. It's really great stuff. Check them out, swiftkickhq.com to learn more, and let them know I sent you. Now, back to the show. It didn't connect the dots, I guess, because I I remember you... um... When we had collaborated a couple of those blog posts and stuff, being out yeah. in California, but now you're out here on the East Coast, so that's uh, yeah, I think your first. Oh, and semester. it's also
1: cold, so <laughs> I've been trying to adjust to that as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I guess how you how you liking it? I don't know how much you'd been out here on the uh, East Coast, but yeah, it's like I guess yeah, the first semester of just living here, the first semester of like graduate school, and just being immersed in all that. So I guess how mm-hmm. is it? Uh, how has it all been treating you?
1: I must say, it's an interesting journey because I feel like. Coming to the East Coast is like a secret destined journey to re, um, rediscover my roots because I'm originally from northeastern China where it actually gets colder than here. Mm. Uh, so I grew up there for 12 years, but then I don't remember it being cold. I just remember it being winter because when I was younger, my parents would always like bundle me up. So right now as an adult, I have to deal with the cold on my own, which is a completely different experience um, in terms of living in the city. To be very honest, um, mostly just like going to school, going to work, trying to maintain like a a, a nice Mm -hmm. Mm self-care. I do like the big city feel. It's definitely, public transportation has definitely been a plus compared to California where you can't really get anywhere unless you have a car. That's nice. Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah, I think always when it's... uh... It's getting cold. I have just like denial until it's like really kind of like deep in winter. Like it's like steadily getting colder. I'm just like, nah, I'm fine. I'm just like a hoodie or like a light jacket or whatever. And it's like, no, it's cold. It's like, yeah, just like when you're a kid, like, yeah, your parents are always just like, I'm going to like make you like overly bundled just to be safe. And like, they're just kind of just taking care of for you. And you're like, okay, cool. Like, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's probably like the, the biggest change just in kind of your day-to-day yeah, it's just the the different climate. All right. So um, yeah, I really appreciate you uh, taking some time out for this podcast because uh, yeah, I know we had collaborated a little bit in the past uh, writing for uh, the Higher Ed Geek blog. So I'll link out to those um, posts that you wrote before and uh, you would actually been on after i had left but on the student affairs podcast that i would worked on before with the student affairs collective so we'll okay. link out to that as well just uh, if people want to kind of catch up on some of your past writing and uh podcast appearances um sure. but uh yeah i mean if you just kind of want to give the kind of quick version of uh kind of who you are and how you got to be where you are today just so uh kind of folks know a little bit more about your background
1: okay So uh, my name is Ariel. I came here when I was 12 from China. When I was an undergrad, I was actually a psychology major on the research route, And then in my junior year, which is also my graduating year, I got involved in Residence Live and just fell in love with the reflection piece and the community over there, as well as the educational or learning outcome piece, where we're trying to do programs and trying to develop students into well-rounded individuals. And after graduation, I decided to stay for... And year trying to figure out if I want to continue to be like psychology track or you know switch into student affairs field and I decided to do student affairs uh, so I'm currently a first-year master's student at NYU's higher education and student affairs program and I'm also a residence director at Stevens Institute of Technology here at Hoboken New Jersey.
0: Yeah, very cool. Um, yeah, and we're happy to have you here in the higher ed community. Uh, I think it's yeah, like I, cause I think that's something that I think about a lot. Obviously, people kind of find uh, the higher ed industry, so to speak, or student affairs and that sort of thing, you know, through their involvements as a student leader. But I think, you know, the experiences you have and the major that you have and the classes and all that kind of adds to it as well. Like I was a history major and a leadership minor. And it's like that all was very important to me and taught me a lot that I carry with me into my kind of higher ed career so i guess kind of in that vein because i think you know you obviously took all those uh psych courses you know you kind of know how people you know uh, the theories around kind of how people think and act and uh those sort of things so i guess what do you feel like that experience in college and maybe even just generally with everything else that you did as well like you know being involved in residence life just kind of you know, with your major specifically, and then anything else that you'd want to highlight, you know, like, what do you feel like your college experience gave you, you know, personally and or professionally that you've now carried with you as you are embarking on your higher ed career?
1: Yeah, of course. Um, so for in terms of psychology background, um, I want to say definitely teach me the value of research and the importance of social sciences. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I have also engineer friends who are always like, Ariel's like a fake science major or self science major. And I'm always like, no, that's <laughs> not true. We're just in different fields. We're just focused on different things because I really do feel, and I understand the importance of why it's, in, why it's important for us to figure out um, how does human, human function. Why do we feel a certain way? How do we react to a certain situations? In terms of in terms of psychology, a development of psychology is definitely helpful in trying to learn and navigate uh, student development so right now I'm working with lots of upperclassmen who we live in a lease properties and sometimes uh, my RA has challenges in figuring out programs because oh it's different and it's difficult whereas in freshmen dorms or freshman residential halls um, it's easier to put on large scale programs, the energy is different once everyone started getting older or started becoming upperclassmen there's a different need so utilizing my psychology knowledge to navigate them through those kind of uh, conversations about maybe it's because residents need something different from you know the undergraduate uh, the um uh, freshman like pizza party maybe they need something else maybe they maybe they need more developmental pieces whether now not it's personal professional or academic but that's definitely helpful uh, in terms of research i also really value uh, the aspect, evaluate, uh, the assessment and evaluation aspects of higher education, which is something that I'm really, really interested in doing now um, because it's really hard for you to illustrate something that's not intuitive without data. And a good example that I have for that is the misrepresentation of females in media. So it's really hard to draw that connection without having data in terms of how that makes females feel and how that relates to people's self-esteem and self-worth. So definitely value that as well. In terms of personal, um, I took uh, my undergrads at UC San Diego and I want to say we have a really unique college system in which we have six independent colleges within the university. Hmm. Each college has its own theme. It's supposed to be like Oxford style. So each college, it was built for like its own theme and ours, which is Revell College was built on the theme of being a Renaissance scholar. So we are supposed to lo- learn a little bit of everything with a focus on humanity courses. So that was our writing course. And for, in that particular series, kind of it sort of changed my life uh, along with the psychology courses, because it's really trying to engage us into thinking, what does it make human, human? What does it make, uh, what is a human experience? Um, what, what does it mean to be happy? What does it mean to be sad? And that kind of reflection practice really helped me to learn about critical thinking um, as well as just to, through the reading and learning of historical um, events, trying to navigate myself or find my place uh, in the current society and trying to figure out, like again, what does it mean to be human on a larger scale? But I think those couple aspects are really important for me and then directly relates to the work I do because overall, We talk about student development, it's trying to find out who they are, trying to help them have helping skills, learn something beyond the numbers and calculations that academics usually talks about.
0: Uh Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're you're certainly just a uh, kind of living testament to the value kind of that liberal arts education that, unfortunately, I feel like (laughs) is being challenged uh, nowadays. But yeah, just that that full breadth of just, yeah, like the human experience and just... um, yeah, there's so much stuff that you can learn, and I think yeah, we should certainly encourage yeah. people. you know, encourage people to explore uh, all those different yeah, like those different content areas during during college. Yeah.
1: Because um, in my well, I just finished a course uh, in foundation of higher education. Um, we were learning about like liberal education, evolution of higher education, because it was like a history-based class, mm-hmm. and I started reflecting on the idea how we. I feel like growing up, we always have identity that other people gave us. So you're a sister, you're a daughter, you are a high school student, you're a middle school student. And then once you get out from college, you are, um, you know, whatever professional field, you're You are a banker, you are a scientist, you are an analyst, you are a student of professionals. But people don't really think about who am I without all these titles and social connections. And I think that in a way, makes people unhappy because once you're extrapolating all these social connections, who are you at its raw form is something I'm really, really interested in, in, interested in engaging more people to think about and reflect about. There probably will never be an answer, but I think having that kind of awareness awareness will help to ground you, given you know the changes in life and changes in pace uh, and just overall your growth as a young adult.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's something we all need is just a little self-awareness. And, yeah, I mean, it's just a continual pursuit of, uh, you know, aligning our lives with our values and kind of just being at peace with the things that happen to us. And that, uh, yeah, I mean, and and, yeah, in college, it's just you're thankfully in an environment, yeah, where that's – nurtured a bit more where we're, we're hoping to help people to get along moving forward in in that pursuit uh you know it's a very personal journey it's not going to look the same for one person or the next but yeah and like you said like because i think yeah we all need help sometimes with any number of things and like you're saying especially in the uh, residence life context like I'm, I'm certainly guilty of this as well like we can like paint ourselves in a corner of just assuming like oh upper class students like you know they don't want to go to programs like they don't need us or something. And it's like, no, they just don't need the things that you may be thinking as like a one size fit all. Like you said, just like, sort of like fun social things, just to get people together because you know, you're new to the university and you don't know anybody yet. It's like, okay, you've been here maybe, you know, three or four years, you need more, um, you know, help with other things of maybe navigating resources, preparing for graduation, kind of just building, uh, life skills and stuff like I feel like I've seen those kind of things be um yeah be a bit more helpful so it's like yeah just kind of sometimes getting out of getting out of our own heads and challenging assumptions that we have so um yeah the students who are upper class students would still come up to programs they just need to be the right programs and also at like the right times and the right places but um yeah but that's really cool yeah I mean again you're just kind of bringing this uh unique perspective to your work uh, in higher ed and I'm sure that's just going to continue to sort of blossom and flourish as you uh, learn more about everything through your grad program hopefully um, yeah yeah I guess and, and I guess for yeah you are at right now sort of what um you know if it is like a particular class or now kind of working anymore I guess I don't know if it is, like is your role now at uh where you're working as a resident director, is that technically like a full professional role or is it classified as more of like a graduate assistantship, I guess, like how kind of, how deep in it, I guess, now are you that you've uh, kind of moved over here and started grad school? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, so it is classified as a grad assistantship. Okay. Because, so I work 25 hour a week and I take 12 units. So I'm a full-time student at NYU um, in terms of like what I actually do a um, couple one of my main role is, well, three of my main roles are uh, program advisor, so help my RAs to come up with programs, uh, RA supervisor, so supervised RA, and I just finished my first round of evaluations. Yay. <laughs> yeah, um, and then just, yeah. mm-hmm, and third one is just office management as well as a minor judicial process, so, you know, doing contact cases, hearing students, and also being on call. But I think that's kind of expected when you're in res mm-hmm. life. Respond yeah. to crisis, which has been a great experience because I've always been interested and I feel like I've been a receiver in when I was a student uh, leader on campus um, or just being a, on, on the other side of observing it. But now I'm actually doing it, it's a completely different experience and I really, really like it. Um, but yeah.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Um, and so. Yeah, you've kind of got all that going on um, just with your kind of professional life and going to school and everything. Certainly, it's a, a lot to balance. But I guess in the free time that you have and when you want to relax, you know, what are you kind of geeking out about currently and, you know, the things that you've discovered recently or things that you've always been into to sort of like anything, I guess, that you're using to help uh, help relax when you, when you do have the time?
1: So, yeah, um, I am a gamer. And as of now, given the limited amount of time that I have... Uh, I use League of Legends to distress, de- which some people will be like, "But the to- community is so toxic. and why do you de- stress over it? <laughs> my argument is I do really, really well in the game. And in my day, I'm on victory, and then I feel better. Um, so video games has been, has always been something that I'm geeking about. Uh, I'm a PC player because I didn't grow up with console. besides League of Legends, Overwatch is also really fun, but my mm. computer is crapping out,
0: oh, and that. No. <laughs>
1: yep. I don't have a good graphics card for that, which is why I bought a new laptop.
0: Yeah, it's go.
1: coming from Black Friday. Um, other than that, I also really like to play, but don't have time. Is like Civilization Five. I really like strategy game, but it just takes too long uh, to yeah. finish it. Um, don't Starve Together is a really cute game. It's about survival. Everything about the game just cute and a little bit gothic too. I really like that game as well. Um, my first favorite game is actually RPG games. Um it's called Chinese Paladin. It is a Chinese game. And it has I wanna say seven or eight series that came out. But again, because I don't have time so I can't play. Another thing that I really wish um I can do more is watch more anime or read more anime. Um just because that's something else I really, really enjoy doing but have limited amount of time. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but -hmm. I'm kind of in exactly the same place, though, with, like, how I like the game anymore. It's just, like, those bite-sized chunks of, like, because sort of the, my understanding, kind of one of the direct rivals of uh, League of Legends, but Heroes of the Storm. um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then, like, Overwatch, my understanding, is similar kind of model where it's almost, like, bite-sized chunk gaming where it's, like, okay, I'll play a game. It takes me, like, 20 or 30 minutes, and, like, yeah, I'll just play, like, two or three and then, you know, Mm -hmm. go about the rest of my day or something. Um, Yep. You don't
1: have to invest time because with civilization five, like my whole day just gone. Like (laughs) I wake up, I start playing, I went to bathroom twice and then it's dark. And I was like, Oh God. And I'm still not winning. Why is this happening to me?
0: Yeah. Well, hopefully I guess with the the winter break here, you'll have a little bit of time to nurture those hobbies and yeah, some that mixture of stuff that, you know, you've always been into or, you know, some other more recent uh, discoveries, but, um, yeah, and I, and I know actually one of the posts you wrote about was about League of Legends uh, specifically. So I guess maybe even if it's just that and kind of elaborating on that, um, but just like those hobbies and things that you've had over time, um, how have they kind of positively contributed to your life? Have they just purely been hobbies? Have you have you built like kind of bonds and communities through those? Or um, I don't know, certainly the strategy games kind of just help, I think, uh, you know, with kind of critical analysis and just sort of, you know, just thinking a different way. But like yeah, anything you can think of, of just sort of how those those hobbies that you have have kind of positively contributed to your life.
1: Sure. Um, so besides the distress part, uh, in terms of playing video games, um, the post I wrote was how I like did the research uh, based on misrepresentation about the misrepresentation of female gaming characters and how it affects females' uh, self-esteem or self-regards. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I think video games, especially role-playing game, is a really easy way to teach young kids about perspective-taking um, because I grew up playing RPG, I remember the, I have this distinct memory of me being five, and I will stand next to the computer, and my dad will be playing that Chinese uh, Paladin RPG game. And I will try, try to follow him and ask me a bunch of questions about who are these people, what are you doing, etc. And when I'm trying to, and then when I play it, I start getting into the game plot because when I was younger, everything was just about like fighting and winning. When I grow older and play the game, it's about the plot, it's about what happened, and usually those games have a, some specific some specific theme that kind of makes me reflect on and think about. So the the very first series of that particular game is about um, your 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 civic duty. So then our main character wife um, is is like semi god, but basically she gave up her life saving the village, and her the whole thing is about how you have civic duty you have to do, and sometimes you have to make sacrifices for your community. That's something that for me as a young kid really hard to understand if an adult trying to explain to me. But because I was immersed in the game and because I was seeing through, I was literally in their shoes seeing through everything happening in front of me. It was really easy easy for me to understand. I think that's the same with most of the the role playing game that I really like to play which is actually my favorite game. But again it just takes too long. You get invested and then you're you're getting frustrated because you're not finishing it. Um, So I think in terms of Perspectiving is uh, role-playing game is definitely a great thing to do. And another thing is in terms of building community. And that's a conversation I just had with my, with my RAs today. Um, so one of the difficulties that we're facing is building community in leased property that we share with other uh, folks. So one of the things I was saying that community doesn't have to be defined by physical boundaries. So there was there's a very famous social... Um, psychology studies where they get a group of boys uh, in camps and then they start developing rivalry and that's like the beginning of inner group and outer group um, psychology study. That, even though they're physically in the same space, that is not a community. And I argue that, you know, there are other ways for us to have a community through mutual respect and open communications, such as online when we're playing these video games. So I think Having a strong community where you can get connected to people and have this relationship is really important because using League of Legends as an example, you have to learn to have good communication skills. If you have horrible communication skills, well, lots of pro players will tell you why Like certain things didn't work out. You also mm-hmm. have to have a sense of like grit. Like You have to work really, really hard and get over it. Basically, the, the cliche like, you know, um, don't give up, keep... Working and you have to reflect on your strategy. So if you fail or if you didn't do so well You have to think about why did you not do well, which are all applicable? Concepts for real life if you are being reflective enough when you're playing
0: mm-hmm. Again
1: using League of Legends example if something didn't work out if a build did not work out Think about why it didn't work out and make something different or trying to improve it next um, and lastly in terms of Anime, which is another very important things for me Um, I wrote a post about in terms of having mentors and role models and I think that's a really big positive contribution that you can that can be derived from anime characters. Um, In China we have a phrase saying in translation basically means like don't forget your original goal or don't forget your original intention like why are you doing this don't forget that and I think that's What's happening with the majority of the anime characters, that, that they hang on to a sense of innocence. They try so hard to protect innocence and challenge the status quo, and they become the change they want to see. And in the world, as we grow up older, we have to become more realistic. It sometimes is disappointing, um, but I think having someone that you grew up with, AKA the, the anime characters, and remind you don't forget your original intention and don't be afraid to be the change you
0: want to see it's always
1: something positive and like heart you know warming for me yeah
0: like what you're getting out there yeah because i think i can't think of anything like in particular but i'm sure i played a lot of games that had themes that uh you know sort of could be like role models and taught me things almost without me realizing it and sometimes like you're saying like now like you're far more aware of stories and you're going to get sort of you know the narrative and sort of what they're trying to get at a lot more apparently um Mm -hmm. But uh, so you know
1: how like people will be like, oh, I learned this from like I got inspired, you know, by like talking to someone with all wisdom or like from reading a book or like you learn some life lesson through a um, like X, Y, Z. For me, I learned life lessons through playing video games and reading manga because or watching anime. Because when I was younger, my parents aren't home all the time, so I had to kill my time somehow. Mm. And they never really have conversations about these kind of topics with me, and I had to kind of like figure it out and in a way learn on my own. Um, and again, so I think they they definitely serve me as a positive role model. I might not realize it at the moment, but in reflection, it definitely really helps and. It makes me really happy that like, oh, like I grew up with Naruto or, you know, like he's literally growing up with me because now he's a dad and I'm like in graduate school.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, because, um, yeah, it's like the the good ones are going to have like a good sort of core to them in that way, because I think certainly they can still be enjoyable. Like there's some games or, you know, comic books or anything like that, that, you know, are a little more shallow and they might just be fun things to read but there's not like a good heart or core to them um so yeah it's nice when uh yeah you can have ones that like stick with you i guess other than that um yeah i mean if there's things uh i guess all those things that you mentioned obviously are things that we'll sort of make note of um in the show notes let's see anything else that you're reading watching listening to that you want to um just give a tip of the hat to um in the show notes or like stuff that you are looking forward to perhaps coming out soon
1: sure um i well i'm currently playing the league of legends because kind of like you said is my distressor um because it's a quick game usually is it should be around like 40 minutes 30 minutes and it's not lots of investment um one thing i didn't mention that i'm also kind of like geeking about is palace drama which is this Again, I made this name up, actually, because I don't know the Chinese translation for it. Basically, it's a specific type of of drama-novel that takes place in ancient time. Um, And it's about, like, politics and a little bit of love and mostly conspiracy theory about, like, overturning government or, like, some sort of hatred is going on or, like, redemption or revenge, blah, 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 blah. Those kind of drama and uh, book, and one of them is coming out, I think, in January. Um, most people don't know what it is, but about two, three years ago, there was a really popular palace drama in China called the, Leg- the translation is The Legend of Junhuan and the sequel of that. That's something I'm really, really excited about and interested in watching. Um, there's another one that's actually I'm trying to get into. It's called it's again a sequel. For a palace drama called *Navera ne- in Fire*, so the sequel of that, which is something I really enjoy. Um, I'm also I, I don't know this person's name in English in terms of translation, but he's known to be a, a fantastic director. He's the one who directed um, *Perfect Blue* as well as *Paprika*. So I'm trying to watch his um, his film. Hmm. He's a Japanese director. I'll find the name and then we can add it in the notes. Like, this is who Ariel's talking about.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I guess that's something now I'm curious about is, I guess there's, you know, just the essentially the pop culture of like China and stuff. And, you know, I mean, you spend a good chunk of your life there. Is it easy to like get that stuff here? Or like, I guess, and I I don't know if it's all like available digitally and like it's pretty accessible. Like, because I know that's just a whole layer of like, sort of I'll have a lot of people discovered like anime here back in the day like it was just this really tough thing of like you know people just manually dubbing on their own and then sharing it out and like obviously it's a lot more formalized now and there's a lot more exporting of uh, like Japanese stuff and I guess yeah I guess how easy for it you know because some of it like doesn't even seem I guess like to have like a direct translation and stuff so they maybe haven't really like marketed it for
1: necessarily yeah, yeah, to, like definitely. an English
0: audience yeah so like how like accessible is the stuff that you obviously enjoy to to consume like is it, is it hard for you to, to get access to it
1: no actually which is something I think is really ironic because most people know that YouTube is banned in China but at the same time lots of I'm talking about like a lot of like main TV stations and like just like large accounts will have YouTube accounts and they will upload their show here so people overseas can see it like myself. So I so I've always kind of be like I don't understand how this works but I guess it's working because again if you google if you just on YouTube just look up all these names it's there which is how I get access to it. Uh, in terms of translation I I don't know I want to say that um, there are lots of websites, if you look for like Chinese drama, Korean dramas, or Japanese dramas, they will have like a team. And I, I want to say it's all volunteer-based, similar to your anime thing, where people will put out translations for that. Uh, I know the two, Navira, Navira in Fire and Legend of Jun Huan, they're two huge hits. They both have translations. My boyfriend and I, my boyfriend is not Chinese, and he doesn't know any Chinese, but he watched Legend of Zhen Huang with me, and he actually got into it too. So I think is in terms of, um, is there a formal translation and marketing? No, but I think that as a fan base, and given that there's a large Asian uh, Chinese communities overseas, that there's some sort of movement. And in terms of, um, I, I'm, I, I think... I like how you brought up um, in the beginning when anime first got to America, you know, we had to, you know, go online and do, have the fan-made translations because one one thing that always reminded me that I didn't grow up here is when I talk about my childhood. So when I grew up watching the full series of Digimon up to season three, um, full series of Pokemon up to season two, I want to say, and then Naruto and Sailor Moon. But majority of the names I know are in Chinese. So even though me and like a friend are trying to talk about the same thing, I don't know what they're saying because I don't know their names. Like <laughs> it doesn't match. So I remember distinctly in my RA training on uh, the undergrad, people were talking about Digimon. And I really, really want to jump in because I have so much thing to say about Digimon, but I can't because I don't know who they are talking about. And it takes me a lot of effort to explain. There's this guy... With, with sunglasses on top oh this person okay good, good and there's this monster who kind of sort of is like looks like a a, a puppet and then he's bad but then he's good oh this person I, I don't know i think is this person and so <laughs> having those conversations really, really difficult
0: yeah yeah that's wild yeah i guess yeah like you said it's like we watched the same episodes like you know for certain things and it's just like yeah you'd have to like describe like, so you know like this guy and they're like oh uh, yeah that and, they're like,
1: and then i remember yeah. when i was in high school someone was humming um uh, gotta catch them off from pokemon but when i watched pokemon like the audio or the ost was in japanese so like he was singing i was like "Where are you singing he goes i really don't know what pokemon is well, i was like i know what pokemon is but you are not singing pokemon you were singing like a weird song to me and then i sh- I had to like show i I have to show up. Um, or I have to show him like the song on YouTube and have like, we had this like whole communication about like what, which is a real Pokemon song.
0: Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> interesting stuff. Yeah. guess just the, um, cause I think that's similar what you got into. Um, I have to re-listen to it a little bit, but like the uh, podcast, you do with Tom, i just obviously just kind of the international exchange and just any that's that sort of like, um, you know, that perspective that you bring to your work. But yeah, that's just like a reality of the day-to-day life, you know, there's (laughs) these shared exports, you know, that, you know, people now understand, but, uh, you know, see the differences that you saw the uh, original versions and all that, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's uh, all good stuff, and, um, yeah, I think it's interesting, I guess it sounds like those shows that you're mentioning kind of just like, yeah, like palace dramas, like almost like soap operas or something, you know, like these sort of, Kind yeah
1: of, actually you know, um dramatic
0: shows yeah
1: i haven't seen crown i've watched rain by cw mm-hmm. it sounds like f- watching Re- the reason why i like rain is because it's similar it's in palace everyone's dressed up in ancient time there's romance there's like conspiracy um so it's it's similar and i'm sure there's some sort of um uh, direct like related genre in terms of having having taking a palace and having this being a being um uh, Having like conspiracy love and revenge as a component. I just think that it's difficult because there is a strong cultural piece to it. Because when I watch Chinese ancient Chinese drama, it's a piece I can relate. Because using use like drama from Qing Dynasty as an example. So my hometown was the first capital of Qing Dynasty. So Manchuria culture is very strong. So when I watch Manchuria, past drama, like I think of home because that's kind of the culture I grew up with. So I think there's definitely a cultural piece that's hard to translate because again, like if it's something you can't relate to, you can't. Uh, Like when I watch Rain, I I watch it for like the drama and the the pretty clothes they're wearing, but because I don't understand a lot of the European conflict at the time, it's hard for me to get a context of like why, what's so special about Queen Mary or like who are all these people? That they're like. Oh, I remember distinctly there was something about like, at the time, like in the in the drama, something about Protestant and like, the Catholic. And I was like, I feel like I've learned this in AP Euro, but I just don't remember anymore. Um, so there's definitely a cultural piece and makes it difficult.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I guess yeah, like it because I think like you're saying, like someone could appreciate the show. Uh, Like your boyfriend is like, if you're like, hey, I want to show you this thing, like they could probably just appreciate it because it could be an enjoyable show. But then like you're watching rain and it's like, you know, okay this is an enjoyable show. But there's like I can't fully appreciate it because there's just some cultural stuff that, you know, doesn't translate or that. Yeah, they're just assuming people know. And um, because they're like, there's other people even here in America or you know elsewhere, just like that are watching this show. And they're like, you know. Uh, they might have snoozed in you know, their European history class and just like, I don't really know what all that's about, but it's still a fun show. Like, I, I yeah. love watching it. Yeah, because just like the drama and the romance and just the intrigue and all that. But um, cool. Well, um, yeah, I think that's that's a lot of what we wanted to cover. Um, and yeah, I mean, you just obviously finished your, your first semester of grad school. So I'm sure you're you know looking forward to continuing on and kind of getting through uh, the rest of your program, but I guess, yeah, just anything else that, you know, is maybe coming out uh, content-wise, like a video game or expansion. I don't know uh, anything new coming to League of Legends or something, but uh, yeah, just anything else uh, that you're looking forward to that, uh, yeah, you'd want to kind of end on a positive note of just, uh, yeah, stuff you're looking forward to.
1: I am looking forward to my new laptop because they have <laughs> a uh graphics card so I can play things in regular settings and low setting. Um, speaking of like video games, At NYU, we have a Student Affairs conference in February of next year, and uh, the classmate and I we put together a proposal, and we'll be presenting in the conference. Actually, the title is called "League of Misrepresentation: How to Cultivate." Okay, I don't remember the title, but basically, it's going to (laughs) be about cultivating uh, discussions about social justice through video games. Uh, kind of going talking about how race and gender are misrepresented in, in, within video games. So that's definitely something I'm really, really interested about. Um, and other than, oh, I'm also going to Argentina in January for a study abroad program. Uh, where we'll be learning about visual memory a visual culture and memory basically see how does our visual information affect our memory because memory is plastic Uh, we'll be looking at the dirty war in argentina and draw parallel with uh, 9-11 here in the u.s and one of the one of the things i like about it is because i really believe in I i really believe that whatever we receive and process as a young child will shape our memory of our childhood as well as we are as adult um which kind of going back to like how video games taught me so much mm. um so kind of see how does you know the show that i watch when i was later little how does that in a way shape who i am um like using anime as example i love anime but again just don't have time anymore
0: yeah i mean that's all good stuff and uh yeah i guess just like a good conference presentation like that of just like something that you're really interested in like that's always a lot of fun like i haven't uh presented formally you know in a little while but there's sometimes where like i presented because like i was almost like really strongly encouraged soon it's like oh i'm not really like super into this but i'll just do it to do it and represent you know our program or our university or something but yeah if you can talk about a thing that you're into and that's just kind of like a uh, certainly what i like to the highlight on this podcast just that alignment of like your strengths and your interest of just like you know like you said like um your appreciation of uh, research and data and all that and like quantifying things because yeah you could say a lot of things just anecdotally which are true but if you can really like add to the credibility of like yeah I've tried to quantify this you know i really looked into it or I've talked to people for you know qualitative uh, information that sort of thing um, yeah well so that's just one thing going to continue to serve you but um, yeah I mean I, I guess that'll be kind of your uh, kind of holiday uh, gift here uh, getting your new laptop which is always exciting I do kind of need a, need a new computer uh, as well because yeah I play Heroes of the Storm on my computer and it runs fine but it's yeah, it is on kind of like some of the, the lower settings it was just like this you know my laptop I've had for a while and works fine just for like you know my day-to-day stuff but like obviously you need some kind of uh, power uh, graphics to, <laughs> to get the get the good stuff um, mm-hmm. but uh yeah I mean that's all 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 cool good stuff here we'll uh link out to everything that we mentioned in the show notes like your pre- previous blog post your other uh, uh podcast episode you did and then um yeah just everything else that we uh mentioned that we can find links to i guess if someone uh you know you might be able to find but um yeah so um yeah i just really appreciate your time and you kind of highlighting your story and your journey and the things that you're into and um yeah just appreciate your kind of unique uh insight and perspective on things and um appreciate you just being a collaborator again i just kind of thought of people who sort of kind of get it you know uh, just the mm-hmm. higher ed higher ed geek thing yeah um, so, yeah, so you're, happy you're, yeah you're just one did. of those people yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. um so yeah just appreciate your time and uh yeah just have a good rest of your night
1: yeah well, thank you for having me i have like, again, like, hired a geek is something I really would like to talk about because I think it's a very important, like, aspect of me or identity of mine. Um, so I'm really happy to share my experience with you and thank you for reaching out. And I wish you a happy holidays yeah. and have a great night.
0: Thank you. Yeah, enjoy your break and, uh, yeah, just have a good rest of your night. All right, bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you in the next episode of the Higher Ed Geek Podcast.